I'm Leah, founder, CEO of Broadstairs Consulting, a problem-solving consultancy that offers crisis and governance advisory services to help leaders and organizations thrive and flourish. We believe crisis isn't an if, it's a when. And although we're unafraid of crisis, we've never known one to be resolved in a single day. However long the day or night that gave rise to the crisis in the first place, there's always something we can learn. That's the genesis of The Longest Day. Our guests have overcome a litany of crises. Many of our guests have worked with us in some capacity in the past. All of them have stories worth hearing. We trust them to make this worth your while. We hope it helps you trust us. Today's guest is someone I respect hugely. We worked together last year. She's the epitome of a trailblazer and one of the kindest people I know. Gabriella Somerville has over 25 years experience in commercial and business aviation. She is the founder of Connect Jets Limited, an aircraft sales and charter business. She's the founder of Connect Skies, a new sustainable business aviation platform. Gabriella was one of the original Virgin crew and rose through the ranks. She undertook other senior roles with British Airways, Bombardier Aerospace and VistaJet before founding Connect Jets in 2009 with her own seed capital. In the first three years, Connect Jets sales turned over just under £4 million with zero debt. Gabriella is a formidable person. She's a fellow of the Royal Society of Arts and charity work continues to be close to her heart. Gabriella, it's a delight to have you on the podcast. Welcome to The Longest Day. Thank you, Leah. So perhaps you might like to tell me how you'd describe your longest day. That's that's um, that is a big question, and I think it probably would be the longest <laughs> sort of twenty five years in commercial aviation. Um, listen, um, business can be a tough world. That's why everybody is not an entrepreneur, and it is exceptionally tough, and, and no less tough in aviation. Um, so, looking back at uh, the last twenty five years in aviation, it's quite hard to pick an actual day. But there are events which you remember that significantly sort of inscribed in your in your mind um, and in uh, with regards to events that have happened and how you've overcome them. Okay, so in terms of the longest day, um, I think the sort of a recollection of, of many, but one that is significant and I guess more relevant to the last two or three years as we're all acquainted with COVID. Um, and the many issues around that area. And of course, the travel industry was hit probably as one of the hardest. Um, So surviving during that period was a difficult time. Just before COVID, um, my mother unfortunately had a stroke um, and uh, and that changed our lives uh, absolutely in in every sense. Um, And that also when you're running a business, you run it on a very thin line in one sense. You always think that it's always going to be you're the strong one, you can keep this together. And then when things, your pillars around you start to move, then suddenly you're having to change your position and you then become reliant on other people as well. So I think that's a, a strong lesson for me in terms of being able to um, delegate. Uh, so... Shortly after my mother had the stroke, I was then diagnosed uh, with a tumour and that was probably some just four months later where I was rushed into hospital and then I spent the next six months in and out of Chelsea um, and Westminster. At the same time, um, a privilege 
to be with my mother and help her recover from the stroke. So uh, I was trying to deal with my own uh, physicality in one sense, which was uh, compromised uh, quite quite a bit by the diagnosis. Um, and also during that time, um, there was the unknown for my health because the diagnosis was that they didn't know whether this was um, cancer, whether it wasn't and what it was going to look like and how that would affect my future. At the same time as that, um, we were having a challenging time in the business because we had a circumnavigation that had happened um, and that was something that I was dealing with legally. Um, and my company was dancing in and out of insolvency because of this circumnavigation and because of the the amount of work that we put into this particular project. So I found myself one day in a hospital bed um, and I remember waking up in the morning and I had been on a bit of morphine <laughs> during the night, so maybe it didn't seem quite so bad. But I think there's something inherent within us. And the one thing I would say is resilience is a key component of the ability to survive in a very challenging environment. Um, I was lucky to have a parental um, guidance in terms of resilience. And my father was very ill when I was younger. My mother's recovery from the stroke was just incredible in one sense. And I had been taught from a young age to be resilient. Um, I'd also had bullying at school. So again, that was my kind of life lesson. So here I find myself in a hospital bed. Some, uh, I won't tell you exactly how many years, but so many years later and facing this big challenge. And I remember I said to my consultant, can I have a room, please? And he said, what do you need a room for? I said, well, I've got to speak to my lawyers because I'm dancing with insolvency at the moment. And he said, well, the cancer team have got to come and see you because we need you to know about all what could happen and this would happen. Um, and I suppose this is where, in one sense, that all your training that you've had over all the years comes into play. So I remember a client many years ago who had multiple businesses um, and I said to him, how do you cope with all these businesses? And at the time, he'd actually picked up a call whilst we were at lunch. And it was um, a very difficult situation when Bomber had gone off uh, very near his office. But he dealt with it in such a calm way and then put the phone down and carried on having, you know, lunch. And I said, how do you do that? And he said, well, you've got to learn in business. You put everything in shoeboxes and you compartmentalize them and you take one off the shelf and then you deal with that problem and then you put it back up on the shelf and then you deal with the next because you can't open all of them at one time. It will become overwhelming. And I remember that when I sat in the hospital bed. And so slowly I looked at each box and thought, right, what can I do today? And, um, and luckily my consultant who, when I left, he said, um, you're not a patient, Gabriella, nor will you ever be one. <laughs> Uh, found me a little TV room um, and plugged me up to Wi-Fi and there I ran part of the business and getting it back out the vortex from that place. So um, I think that is probably the most recent recollection of, uh, of survival um, and of um, a crisis. Mm. That uh, resilience cannot be, the importance of it cannot be overstated. Um there have been moments in your career where that has been tested, even before you got to this more recent situation. Um, what did you learn about yourself uh, as you constantly 
faced these obstacles and challenges and crises in your career? Yeah, I mean, crisis is an interesting one, is that the Chinese um, have two syllables for that. One means danger, one means opportunity. Um, as an entrepreneur, you, you are quite happy in one sense to be on the precipice because that's how you live and move and exist um, because you are to be a game changer to to do the things that you're doing you have to have a certain degree of madness in the right in the right frame um, so I think there was uh, a breaking in and it wasn't an easy breaking in and I think what I've what I've learned to do through it all is rather than look at why are all these problems happening to me why is this happening to our business? Turn the other around and kind of, I said to my friend, I said, how do you survive? I said, I kind of look at it like a game. That every day if a challenge comes up, it's like almost just saying, right, we've now got to, yeah, we've got to find a solution here. So how do we do that? Let's, let's bring all these things into play and let's see how we can do that. Um, so I think you almost, um, you're honed into that sort of shape where you learn to have thick skin um, you learn to, well, you learn in the latter part, of which I didn't learn in the former part, and there was a huge cost to that, I might say, in the battles that you you choose to take on and those that you leave by the roadside and just learn from. And I think that, for me, was a big learning curve. I got quite battle-weary at the beginning. I went into a very male-dominated industry many years ago, remember, so things have changed. They're not the same but it was a very tough environment to be in. And I wasn't necessarily welcomed in that environment at the beginning. So um, I found that my sensitivities, which I had prior to going into this, were sort of um, taken to the extreme in terms of not taking these things personally, but realizing if you're going to go in somewhere and create change and define change, you have to break up the hard ground. And part of that breaking up is going to be difficult. It's going to be challenging. Um, and I think early on in my career, my mother said to me, do you really want to continue in this business? Because she saw the effect that it did have on me. So I'm not going to negate that because I'm not going to stand here and say it's been easy or that everything has been a success. Not at all. She saw a lot of pain that I went through and that was pain. But I knew, and sometimes we know, there's a greater purpose on our lives. And it's a hard thing to share with somebody else who wouldn't necessarily understand that. But I had always felt that. And so I felt very much that I was in the right place at the right time. And I had to some way make my way through it. We'll be right back after this advert from our sponsor. This episode of The Longest Day is sponsored by Grosvenor Search, a specialist NED recruiter in the asset management space. Board diversity shouldn't be reducible to tokenism. Rather, efforts to diversify boards must be focused on ensuring that the top 5% of talent are identified, and once recruited, empowered to strengthen existing boards. Grosvenor Search offers a targeted approach to ensure that your board receives the most impressive diverse talent. For more information, email info at grovenersearch.com. Let's get back to today's guest. How has enduring these circumstances changed your relationship with fear? I can actually say, I think uh, we spoke about this recently with a group of friends. Um, I think particularly the last two years, having had 
the, um, the, the cancer scare and the tumour of living on the fragility of life, the precipice of not knowing whether, you know, what, where you're going to go with this diagnosis. Um, I think I've lost eight people in two years. So I've been to, they say in the film, love, actually love is all around us. I felt that death, and that's, I, I use that reverently, has been all around me. So I've had to deal very much with um, the loss and the grief and you need resilience in grief, actually. Grief can be overwhelming, totally consume you. Um, I've never known anything like it, especially with my mother, who um, I was exceptionally close to and was a great mentor to me, which I was very lucky. So I think the last two years, I've almost felt that I've come out and I actually have no fear now. Now, people say, how can you have no fear? But I think it's when you've been taken into such... Um, a challenging place where you have faced all your fears and those that you've stored in the wardrobe and hidden because you don't want to tell people that you might fear this. So that it was like they all came out of the closet at the same time, losing my mother, the cancer, you know, potential cancer diagnosis. Um, the loss, actually, through the business because of circumnavigation, the huge financial loss, almost literally um, coming into a place where I was homeless because of that. Um, and the loss of my two best friends who also died. In fact, the three of us went into hospital similar time. I was the one that came out um, and tells the story today. So there's a survivor's guilt at that time. So I really feel like now I'm living a life which is a very different life prior to this. Who I am now is very different. And I think that you almost have seen um, the darkest of moments in your life um, and that you know that you've survived that and therefore fear um, is is actually something I probably don't feel most of the time now, which I said is the only <laughs> benefit, and not there's no benefit in this, that's the wrong term, the only um, part of when you survive and come come through this that you realise that what you're made of, but also you can still, no matter how difficult it gets, you can still put one step in front of the other and survive. And that's the key part. And my mother always said, one step in front of the other, that's all you need. That's beautiful. Um, I wish I could have met her. You've told me so much mm. about her. I wonder what might you say to a leader who is struggling to trust themselves at a time of crisis? Um, I, I would say be kind to yourself. I have beaten myself up more times than I care to admit. I've put myself in the boxing ring um, and it's me who's taking the punches. So I think crisis will bring out the worst in us and it can potentially bring out the best. So you have to be kind to yourself. I think when I brought out the worst is because I was incubated in a place of fear, um, of anxiety, and you feel like you're, if you're in survival mode all the time, your adrenaline's running, you're going to just be in battle the whole time. That is, um, it will waste your energy. Um, and this is where you need to create strategy, resilience um, and you need to look at the broad picture too it's very easy when you're going through a crisis or a difficult 
time in your business that you just wholly focus on that one part. But if you just take yourself outside of it and you look at the whole Vista, um, and we can look at some of the greatest companies that have survived um, near bankruptcy, Apple, Delta, um, you know, Amazon, you all come to that point at some point or at some place, your business will be completely and utterly challenged on many levels. And you have the ability there to panic, close up, and then and and then that can be disastrous. Or you have the ability to step back, look at the big vista, be kind to yourself and say, okay, what is this bigger picture telling me? How can I change, re-strategize my business, re-engineer it to become something that will now adapt to this change, whether it be external or internal. We all have the ability to do that. But I think for entrepreneurs, we are the cruelest people to ourselves most of the time. And the one thing I'd really want to get out there, if somebody's young in business, please understand that you will fail and you will fail big. And actually, that isn't bad. That is really not bad. Embrace yourself that actually, I've failed that's great. I've now ticked that box. I may have to tick it again and again. But I know that I also have tasted success. And actually marriage is about those two components and actually having a balance. Mm. Is there anything that you, with the benefit of hindsight, would do differently now as you look back over your career? Yeah, battles. The battles you pick and the battles you don't. I remember my mother said to me just before she had the stroke, with this particular circumnavigation. It was for a lot of money and there was part of me that wanted to make a stand, not just for my business, but for women. Like this can't happen, this shouldn't happen. Um, So it was a stoic sort of moral bone of of everything that I felt that I couldn't stand by. And, And a lot of people said to me, look, don't do it, it's too big. Move on to the next one, go make money. So what I did was I spent probably a year, two years fighting this one case. It stressed me, stressed my mother. It um, potentially, the tumour that my doctor said, I asked what he thought caused it. He said, you've got severe inflammation in your stomach, um, which is caused by stress. So we have to be, this is why I say care for yourself. We have to be careful. The life you see is so fragile and delicate and so rich mm-hmm. that we sometimes get, we prioritise the wrong things. And at the time, I wish I prioritised my family I think during that time, I became a different person. I go back to what I said earlier about where you become um, a very difficult person to be around because you're internalising it, you're in battle, you're in adrenaline, and so everything that's touching you, you're you're fighting. Um, I think that will be... I wouldn't call it a regret because regrets will only destroy you, but I think it was a lesson that I have learnt, and I'm possibly still learning... It's not an easy one to define between the battles we should we should we should you know take on and those we should let drop. I think now my I change. I don't I don't sit around that campfire for too long. If I feel that it's getting too hot, then to move on uh, to the more positive things where we can create change and create change rather quickly rather than being in a court case which can take years. Mm. No, that's really helpful. And I think as somebody who is a budding entrepreneur myself. Um, There's a lot of wisdom to be heeded here. Uh, One of the things we are very passionate about uh, at Broadstairs Consulting is food. And we are very interested to know from each of our podcast guests what food they would choose to fuel their longest day if they had to live it again. 
<laughs> That's funny. What food? Um, wow, it's interesting actually. Only now I'm starting to really focus on on nutrition in the sense of how it can fuel you. Um, so I think, um, I mean, listen. I always say at those stressful moments, uh, there are two things. There's a bar of chocolate and, dare I say, a, a glass or two of wine at the end of the day. Um, I remember once actually talking to a doctor um, and uh, and he said, wow, I said, you really have gone through a lot last year. How are you coping? So um, he said, you want antidepressants? I said, no, no, no. You know, I said, I'm, I'm going to, you know, take this head on and, and deal with it. And I said, but, you know, I have like maybe a glass or two when I get home. He said, is that all? <laughs> so I was comforted to think of a doctor thinks that's, that's all of it. So, um, you know, I think to be fair, um, now I'd say that I have a kind of semi-fasted life because actually I think in terms of the way that food can also affect your body in terms of how you react to things as well. So I try and keep a very balanced diet. But of course, yes, chocolate has to be um, the main... I'd say that chocolate has to always be dark chocolate, <laughs> always in the vicinity just in case it's a crisis. <laughs> I love that. Um, well, we've loved having you uh, on The Longest Day and we're grateful for your time and to hear more about your experiences. So thank you, Gabriella, so much for joining us. That's right, a pleasure. And thank you, Leah, for having me. You've been listening to a Broadstairs Consulting Limited podcast. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. Tune in soon to hear the next instalment of The Longest Day. Copyright 2023. Production copyright. Broadstairs Consulting Limited. All rights reserved.